Welcome to Today's Issues. Join us for the next hour as we offer a Christian response to the issues of the day. Here's your host, Ed Vitagliano. And welcome to Today's Issues. Ed Vitagliano sitting in for Tim Wildman, at least until Thursday, I believe. He will return to the captain's chair, which is what I call the host chair, kind of like on Star Trek. I'm talking to Fred Jackson now. <laughs> Big Star Trek fan, aren't you, Fred? No. Not, not really. <laughs> no, no, but I, my wife and oldest daughter, huge. Really? So I've been exposed. Yes, to about every Star Trek related, I, there's, there's so a mu- bunch. There's oh so, yeah, the uh, Mandalorian is that's it, Star Wars. Oh, now now you're just embarrassing. I, yourself. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's just that's Star Wars. That's Star Wars. So they're Star Wars or Star Trek fans? No, so, both. No, okay. Star Wars. More Star Wars. Okay. Star Trek is kind of passe, isn't it? Oh, Fred. Isn't Fred, it? Fred? You Fred. mean there's new Star Trek out? Yeah, there's there's new sh- new shows. You yeah. know, what's-his-name has with... been replaced by fellow Canadian? You talking about William Shatner? <laughs> oh, my God. You mean? You I, mean I think you not... should just stop talking now. Uh, that that's They have a geriatric ward aboard yes, that's the right. spaceship. Yes. <laughs> the spaceship. He's called the spaceship. It's a starship. Fred. Uh, we're we're going to start meeting for lunch. Okay? And I'm just going to fill you in. Or your family should do it. This is negligence on a... Catastrophic I, scale. I, you just need I, to talk to Susie. And I, I confess. Yeah. All right. All right, Chris Woodward, you better not. Do you know anything? You know the difference between Star Trek and Star oh, Wars? Oh, sure. I do also want to mention there is a such thing, before we lose this group of <laughs> listeners, uh, there is a such thing as Battlestar Galactica as well. Yes. Again, not that, the same that's thing. Old, that's old, pretty old school, too. I'm somewhat familiar with that. Hey, folks, just want to let you know since this is a news source, this program. <laughs> 269 shopping days until Christmas. So we just keep you up to date when it's time to set your clocks forward or backwards. We let you know when it's the first day of spring. We let you know. We let you know periodically how many shopping days you have left until Christmas. All that kind of stuff right here. Your one stop. By the way, when do we spring our clocks forward? (laughs) (laughs) Hey, hopefully if this bill gets passed and, and signed into law, we won't have to do that anymore. But. I guess that's an issue for another day. Yes. Yeah. Uh, all right. So this is a, for the most part, um, straight news program. Yes. We kind of went off the rails there a little bit. Chris, so bring us back on track. Well, talking about uh, bill signings, uh, one that has uh, gotten a lot of attention in the last 24 hours or so has been Governor Ron DeSantis signing the Parental Rights and Education Bill, which the media and other critics like to refer to it by another name. But it is by name, uh, the Parental Rights and Education Bill. Uh, And a lot of people, including uh, Disney executives, have been very critical of Governor Ron DeSantis, saying he's uh, not being inclusive, he's not being fair and sympathetic to families with uh, children that are supposedly LGBTQIA and all the other letters. Um, And uh, in a video that we have at AFN.net, you can actually watch uh, Governor Ron DeSantis signing the bill And uh, despite all the criticism, despite all the people saying we're not going to come to Florida and spend any more of our money and stuff like that, Governor DeSantis says we're not backing down here. Clip two. We will continue to recognize that in the state of Florida, parents have a fundamental role in the education, health care, and well-being of their children. We will not move from that. I don't care what 
corporate media outlets say. I don't care what Hollywood says. I don't care what big corporations say. Here I stand. I'm not backing down. And so in Florida, we will make sure that parents can send their kids to school to get an education, not an indoctrination. Now, that's a big issue because he's running for re-election this year. And a lot of people are maybe speculating that he's going to run for president in 2024. But this will be the big issue. I mean, you just had people talking about it at the Oscars. Yes. Yeah. Listen, this, uh, uh, Fred, this issue with education, we saw it in the Loudoun County, County. Virginia. We saw this in the governor's race in Virginia. We are seeing it in other states like Arizona, other places. This issue uh, that really raises the question, to whom do children belong? And who has the right to teach them on issues like sex, sex education, like sexual orientation, like gender issues? Who has the primary responsibility to do that? This is really becoming a hot topic. And I, I got to tell you, Republic, Republicans and conservatives – in general, uh, Republicans specifically as a fairly conservative lot, they're not always the brightest uh, politically. Mm -hmm. They do a lot of things that just are, frankly, quite stupid. Mm -hmm. Okay, But they're smart to pick this issue. And Democrats, who are shrewd often, are foolish to have taken the side they have, I think. Yeah, you're exactly right. I mean, this issue is a winning political issue, and it's a winning issue because it goes right to the heart. The core of our country is, is families. Right. And I, I'll, I've said it before, and I'll say it again. Even if parents have a liberal political point of view, they love their kids. Right. And they don't want their kids, I mean, we have to go back this bill that was signed into law yesterday by Governor DeSantis is dealing with little kids five, four and five years old. Right. It's it's kindergarten up to grade three. Now, I'm sorry, you don't have to be a conservative to say, I don't want my kids being told by some teacher, hey, Johnny, do you think you might be a girl? And, and we won't tell your mommy and daddy. I mean, there's there's another story there today. There's a school district up in Wisconsin that's basically telling kids, don't tell your parents what we're talking about in school today, and don't you worry, I'll be your mommy. Yes. This is a teacher telling these precious little kids this stuff. Right. This is what happened in Virginia. The parents found out what's going on, and they're not accepting of it. And, and really, what they're upset about also is that the school board went to the Attorney General of the United States and says, we don't want parents speaking up. It exploded in Virginia. Yes. And, and, and A fairly blue state. It now. was totally blue. Right. Right up until last November. And so Ron DeSantis, he's not only doing this, he's a fairly young man. Yeah. He's got a young family. He is resonating with the people in that state. And we're seeing it, too, on the transgender issue, you know. Critical race theory. Critical race theory should, you know, on, on the sports. Uh, we're seeing, and this goes beyond schools, it goes to universities. Are we really expecting girls to keep their mouths shut, girls that are involved with sports and saying, no, let this man who says he's a girl compete? The American people 
and it, it crosses political lines. They're not ready for this. They don't want this. Right. They, well, and, and let me just, to our listeners, let me, let me g- give you some, let me give you, put some instruments into your hands here for conversations about this subject. Because what you will hear in reply is that schools have expert advice. They follow the science. You hear that a lot. We have the information that parents are often lacking. So it's our right to teach these kids the truth, even if it means not telling the parents. So how do you how do you respond to that? And here's how you can tell that this is a culture war issue. It's not a scientific issue. It's not based on sociological truth or anything is you ask that person if you think that school should be allowed to teach your kids all of our kids moral issues without the parents knowing Mm. then you would be okay if our school district changed its mind Mm. and taught a conservative perspective on these issues you'd be okay with that you'd be okay with the school teaching Mm. your child that homosexuality is unnatural and there are only two genders that the human race is binary male and female and if we told your kids not to tell you we were teaching them that you'd be okay with that Mm. well obviously they're not okay with it because this is not about whether schools should have the freedom to teach this is about what they teach yes and they don't want parents knowing the what that they're teaching these kids. Well, Governor DeSantis uh, said it right. We don't send our we send our kids to school to get educated, not indoctrinated. That's the issue. It's and you're exactly right, Ed. What what teachers unions some not all teachers are bad. We we always right. say that there's good. some really good Christian teachers in our schools, but they're in a system which, for the most part, has become very corrupted. They, they really do want to, they feel they have the right to take the raising of your child away from you, parents. Yes. And we're going to indoctrinate them. And, and this idea of telling a five-year-old, we're not, we're not going to tell your parents what we're teaching. But, but little boy, you might be a girl. Yes. Uh, this, this is the kind of thing. And, and, of course, the mainstream media, even yesterday, even yesterday. Yeah. They were calling it the "Don't Say Gay" yeah. bill. Right. ABC News was one example. Governor Ron DeSantis signs "Don't Say Gay" bill, and then they went on to say what the bill says schools can't do. Yes. So basically, they pointed out that we're making up this term here. This is not what this bill says, but nonetheless, yeah. they still refer to it that way. I do have a bit of audio here of a parent, um, January Littlejohn here, telling the story of a Florida school who tried to get her 13-year-old daughter to transition to male without her knowledge or permission. Clip three. School officials asked my 13-year-old child her permission as to whether or not my parental rights would be honored. After many weeks of going back and forth with the district, we learned the middle school had created a transgender, gender non-conforming support plan with our 13-year-old daughter without our knowledge or consent. The plan was a six-page document completed with my daughter behind closed doors with three school officials that included the guidance counselor, the assistant principal, and a social worker I had never met. During the meeting, they asked her questions that could have 
significantly impacted her safety and her physical and emotional well-being, such as which restroom she preferred to use and which sex she preferred to room with on overnight field trips. The plan also directed school staff to use my daughter's birth name when speaking to us, her parents, and to use a different name in school with teachers, staff, and students. This plan directed school staff to conceal from us that this meeting and plan had ever taken place. All right, parents, you're blood boiling yet? Now, again, I, I want to stress that if the school is okay doing that, would they be okay uh, it, it would, if parents are supporting what the school did with this 13-year-old girl, would they be okay if the opposite was done? And people on the left, these so-called progressives, secularists, what have you, these leftists would not be okay if it was from a conservative perspective that these kids were being indoctrinated. Yeah. And that's what this is. This is propaganda. It is indoctrination. And to take parental rights away, to me, what that school did is criminal. Yes, it is. And th that school should be sued. What state was this in? Was this Florida? In Florida. This was in Florida. She but made it, this comment at the news conference yeah. where this was okay. signed yesterday. Mm -hmm. Listen, folks, uh, wake up, America. Yeah. I keep saying this. This is not. This is going on across this country. This is an agenda. And let's be very clear: these people hate Christianity. Yes, they, they hate, hate Christ God. They are. They are trying to extract. The, the, the Christian values that parents have tried to instill in those kids behind your back, mom and dad, they're, they're encouraging these kids. You heard it there. Mm -hmm. We'll use this name for you at school. Just so your parents don't find out, go by your real name at home. Yeah. You know, you know, what's, what's, what's fascinating about this is this is not really a new thing. Now we, we're, we're, we've, we're transitioning from our old building to our new building. Mm -hmm. Most of our listeners know that. So uh, yesterday and last week, I was in my old office over in this building where we mm. still have studios. I was in my old office going through old files mm. and trying to decide what I'm going to lug across the street and what I'm not. I found old files from the no late 90s now citing homosexual activists who said, we, just, we don't just want same-sex marriage. We want to, I mean, I have these quotes. We want to destroy the institution of marriage. Yeah. We want to destroy the old-fashioned idea about family so that there is no such thing as family anymore. And what we see playing out in Florida and Virginia and some of these other places is that same ideology that says there is no gender. Yeah. No such thing as gender. That's what these activists were saying. Uh, gender is a social construct. Family is a social construct. It's no longer a man and a woman being a husband and a wife. Family can look like anything. So if it looks like everything, it looks like nothing. Yeah. And they want to abolish marriage and family as it has always existed because this is a demonic assault on God's order. Yes. This is spiritual warfare, folks. Mm. And if you don't get involved in your school board meetings, if you don't get involved at your school you are AWOL, all right? Mm -hmm. You are AWOL from the spiritual warfare that is going on because these this is a clash of spiritual armies trying to determine what this country looks like in 10 years. And let's remember, uh, mom and dad, your tax dollars, your tax dollars are paying 
these people salary who are trying to turn your kids against you. Yes. Stop and think about that. A good That's- example of that is uh, we reported on this last year at the beginning of the school year. Uh, the Biden administration put a video out there for schools to play, and included in the video was Dr. Levine, the man who pretends to be a woman, in women's attire, telling kids about you know how inclusive schools should be and you, you are who you feel you are and stuff like that. Your tax dollars, listener, paid for that video. Yes, and and inclusive, that, that is the word. That is the protection, the political and cultural protection uh, for these efforts. Yeah. Because when they say inclusive, everyone I know here at American Family Association, I don't know a single person who would say, if a child comes to school and has two mommies, that that child should be, uh, should be mocked, ridiculed, thrown in a locker, have their, their head, you know, stuffed mm-hmm. in a toilet and flesh. I don't know anyone who wants those people uh, 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 persecuted. Hmm. But to say inclusive means you cannot, you're not allowed to define marriage as between a man and a woman. Right. Otherwise, you're excluding all these other forms of marriage as an assault on the institution of marriage. They want to deconstruct it. Yeah. And they're doing it under this label of we just want to be inclusive. Well, you know what? You can include people in everything without changing the definition of family. That's right. That's right. Get involved, people. Yes. Get yeah. involved. Listen, you're listening to today's issues on the American Family Radio Network. Ed Vitagliano, Fred Jackson, and Chris Woodward. But folks, this is the kind of thing you're going to hear on American Family Radio. We are not going to soft soap this. This is open war, and the other side started it. Yes. Okay? They're always accusing Christians as being the hateful people who always want to argue about these things. We didn't start this. Mm-mm. This is an assault on the God's created order that everyone uh, until 25 years ago in this country accepted, and now it is under assault, and they've made tremendous gains, in part because a lot of Christians, I'm sorry, just— just want to spend the night streaming or going on vacation. And all those things are fine as long as you're getting your job done. And I'm not talking about where you work eight to five. I'm talking about being salt and light in this culture. Man, I'm feeling the preach. We better move on. Okay. Uh, Well, let's keep it in this realm, although it gets into sports a little bit here. We have talked about on this program how there's a growing uh, number of biological males that want to compete as females in women's sports. You see it and hear it a lot with uh, Will Thomas uh, the swimmer up in Pennsylvania dominating uh, women's swimming to the point that it's not even close, um, these finishes. And uh, a lot of people on the Republican side specifically have uh, tried to show support for biological females and their Title IX rights, which have been in law for longer than I've been on this earth. Uh, one such supporter of Title IX rights is Alabama Senator Tommy Tuberville, who was a football coach for many years prior to running for office. Uh, I believe he also was a, uh, a women's sports coach uh, prior to his arrival on the college scene. But I have a video here. It's actually audio of a video featuring Senator Tuberville talking about the importance of being fair and helping women achieve their dreams in female sports. Clip six. What you look for in sports is fairness. I don't care if it's men's sports or women's sports. You, you look for a fair and level play in field. If you're going to play sports, you go by your biological gender, uh, how you were born. Uh, we have a men's, men's league. 
Uh, we have a women's league, and if you want to have transgender, I'm, I'm fine with that. I think everybody should have the opportunity to compete, uh, and if, if that's the way we feel about it, but you got to have a level playing field, and there's just not a level playing field when, when you allow somebody that's that much bigger, stronger, faster, and there's nothing you can do to change that to compete against uh, people that are going to be smaller than you are. Now, speaking of smaller than you, go and look at the podium. Uh, picture of Will Thomas towering over the females. He just, you know, I don't even know the swimming metaphor to use, dominated in their sport. Well, and and let me just say this, Fred, that when the other side on this issue says, no, you can take drugs to, you know, uh, to change someone's body so that they compete on an equal basis. So you can have Will Thomas, you know, uh, take, you know, this drug to suppress this and this drug to elevate this, uh, the, the proof that that does not work is this. I don't care how many drugs you give a teenage girl or a girl in college, they will never join a men's league and be able to compete. That's right. Because the head start that young men have gotten by growing up male yeah. with testosterone, where you're talking about heart and lung size, uh, uh, bone density, all these kinds of things, strength of muscles. You can maybe alleviate that a little bit with taking drugs, but you never see the transgender athletes going the other way and being able to compete. I know. Because girls will always biologically, to some extent, be limited by their DNA. Yeah. It's, don't you find it ironic, and we've talked about this before, you know, it used to be the left are the champions for women's rights. Right. On this issue, it's conservatives. They're protecting the rights of girls just to compete with girls. The left is saying, no, we want the men to compete with girls. Uh, to me, that's cowardice. This is all upside down. On yeah. the part of the left. I, th I think they've just been intimidated into silence because they see what happened to Martina Navratilova, the mm. lesbian tennis player right. who excelled in women's tennis. They see what happens to uh, J.K. Rowling, and they're afraid. Mm. They're afraid to say anything. I, I, I've got to believe that most of them, the actual feminists, don't like this idea, but they know they'll get canceled. Yeah, um, you know, Democrats are part of the reason, really uh, a big reason, why we even have Title, title IX to begin with. Uh, they fought for and got that in law decades ago. Uh, there was a time where Democrats pushed for things like the Religious Freedom Restoration Act, and here we are 30 years later, and people who authored that bill, including now Senator Chuck Schumer, want to scrap it and replace it with the Equality Act, which would make the Will Thomas situation nationwide, no ifs, ands, or buts, got to right. do it this way. You know, it's amazing, just to go back, last week we had the uh, Biden nominee for the Supreme Court, uh, Brown Jackson. Yeah. What's a woman? Yes. Uh, boy, don't think I want to answer that. And, and, and there was another question that was given to her. I think, I think we're going to talk with Steve about that mm -hmm. during his segment. He yeah. has some just amazing it's a deep tease. But the, yeah. fact yes. that, the fact that she sat there and said, I can't answer that question. That's, that's all being – she's calculating in her mind oh, we know. what she's allowed to say. Yes. And, yes. And, and by the way, she is, as we all heard – the first black woman nominated for the Supreme Court. She herself has talked about that and celebrated that, but she couldn't decline. She couldn't define what. Yeah, a woman how is. how would you define what a woman is if you're the first black woman <laughs> yes. nominated to the Supreme Court? Right. Well, 
when, once you ask it that way, they begin to make the calculation uh, and they realize what they can say, what they're allowed to say, and what they're what they're not allowed to say. So, all right, folks, this is a, this has been a fiery first segment. <laughs> I think it started because we were talking about how many shopping days we have till Christmas, and I'm behind. Buy it now <laughs> before because you won't be able to afford to drive your car at Christmas. Yes, that's right. Oh, uh, that's a happy note to end this. Yes, that's, that's right. All right, we're going to take a short break. When we come back, Chris is going to bring us more great news, things that we can keep our eye on and be aware of. You're listening to today's issues on the American Family Radio Network. We'll be right back. AFR programming is now available on Alexa. You're joking, right? Nope, not joking. Seriously? Yep, this is not a drill. Wait a minute, no way. There's a way, the Alexa way. So if you just happen to miss your favorite shows, no worries. You can now listen to each podcast with Alexa. It's simple and it's free. Just visit AFR.net forward slash apps and click Alexa. We're not joking. We live in a day when America's families are under attack like never before. Buddy Smith, Senior Vice President of the American Family Association. The war against biblical principles rages on numerous fronts. The internet, Hollywood, Washington, D.C., America's corporate boardrooms, and the list goes on. At American Family Association, we're committed to standing against the enemies of God, the enemies of your family, And we recognize it's an impossible task without God's favor and your partnership. Thank you for being faithful to pray for this ministry, to give financially, and to respond to our calls for activism. What you do on the home front is crucial to what we do on the battlefront. We praise God for your faithfulness. And may He give us many victories in the battles ahead as we work together to restore our nation's biblical foundations. Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Stern. Stand by for news and commentary next. Uh, my goal as a teacher is, is to impart knowledge and then be able then for them to take it and turn it into wisdom. As we teach, I think, okay, five years down the road, how will the material that I am teaching them really affect their lives and their careers? Hi, Todd Starnes here. Truett offers biblically-centered degree programs. Check out truett.edu slash Starnes. Former Vice President Mike Pence is making the rounds on college campuses, now a featured personality on the Young America's Foundation speaking circuit. But many public schools are no longer rolling out the red carpet for the former vice president. Students at the University of Virginia say he is not welcome in Charlottesville, accusing him of all sorts of horrible things from racism to attacks on the LGBT community. The student newspaper's editorial board fears students might suffer violence if the former vice president is allowed to speak. Now that's a mighty serious allegation, an allegation that warranted an immediate investigation, which I did. And I'm happy to inform the fragile snowflakes at the University of Virginia that not a single person attending a Mike Pence rally has ever been shot, punched, or stabbed. The same cannot be said for those attending a rap concert, a Black Lives Matter rally, or the Academy Awards. I'm Todd Stearns. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. 
1 Peter 1.3. American Family Radio. This is Today's Issues. Email your comments to comments at AFR.net. Past broadcasts of Today's Issues are available for listening and viewing in the archive at AFR.net. Now, back to more of Today's Issues. And welcome back. Ed Vitagliano here sitting in for Tim Wildman today. I'm joined in studio by Fred Jackson and Chris Woodward. All right, Chris, continue. Well, uh, one of the things that we've talked about on this program has been the fact that food prices have gone up, fuel prices have gone up. Uh, It's not just because of what's going on in Russia and Ukraine, although we have heard and seen stories in recent days about how Uh, Wheat prices are going to be largely impacted in the coming weeks and months. Uh, Fertilizer prices are going to be going through the roof. And all that is a concern for us as consumers um, because we tend to buy a lot of wheat-based products. Fertilizer goes into a lot of things that we need and use and stuff like that. This morning, um, I spoke with an economist named Veronica Nye. Uh, She's with American Farm Bureau Federation. And I I spoke with her about the wheat and fertilizer issue and whether or not we have enough here to maybe meet our needs. And she says we do, uh, but there are some kind of global policies um, like oil that impact these prices here at home for us. So uh, here now is Veronica and I talking about this. Clip eight. The U.S. grows all the wheat that it needs. We do import some different varieties that we don't grow here in the U.S. You know, different types of wheat are good for different things. Uh, But you know, that's not necessarily a, an issue of us importing, especially on the wheat side, because we don't have it. But because we're, we're also trading in the global market, we're not insulated from those changes that occur. On the fertilizer side, the U.S. does produce quite a lot of fertilizer, uh, but fertilizer is expensive to produce and it's even more expensive to store. So it doesn't necessarily make sense in normal times for the U.S. to produce all of the fertilizer that it needs because we only use it at certain times of the year. The cost of, of fertilizer would be significantly higher if we produced all the, the fertilizer that we needed for U.S. production, if we produced it all uh, in the U.S. Now, I will be using more of this interview for a story, uh, so stick with American Family News for more on this. But I will say right now, uh, Veronica did say, you know, look, if you need meat, uh, maybe if you need uh, bread and things like that right now, it's not a bad idea to go ahead and buy it and stick it in the freezer. That way you have it for later. That was very interesting. Uh, that's why um, those kinds of interviews with experts are very helpful because I didn't know that about, I didn't either. about fertilizer or about that we do import some types of wheat mm-hmm. that we use that you know we don't grow here uh, in, internally, mm-hmm. so to speak. Uh, so that's, that's a good thing. And so let me just take this opportunity – Please give a plug for American Family News because where would people need to go to see more on this subject? Yeah, that you're, it, I'll be putting you, more of uh, these comments uh, from Veronica together for an article that will appear on American Family News. Our website is afn.net. That's where things you hear on the radio every hour wind up in print, afn.net. All right. Yeah, and I, I think she, she raised a, a very interesting point. You know, uh, we often say as Christians, we're in the world but not of it. Right. Uh, the United States has become more vulnerable through the years because we opened ourselves up to international trade more. Right. Need I say China? Sure. I mean, and and it's amazing to me when I shop in some of the big box stores here in our country, 
And I, I think I've mentioned this example before. I could not get over the fact I was looking at a little package of garlic, like the garlic cloves. Yeah. Three in a package. Yeah. I flipped it over. China. I thought, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Why does the United States feel the necessity to ship in cloves of garlic 4,000 miles away right. from a communist country? Why? We can do this ourselves. But we've opened ourselves up, which is what Donald Trump was trying to do during his four years as president. The way to make America great again is to make it independent. I mean, we started, everything was go, you know, to Mexico, to China, yeah. all of these sorts of things. And now we're at a point, in this case with Russia, which makes ingredients for fertilizer. Right. Ukraine, the same thing. So when we have a time of crisis... Uh, and Putin is, you know, can take advantage of this. The West depends on me, he says, for fertilizer. I know how important food is, and we're coming up on a growing season where fertilizer is needed before you seed somewhere. Uh, that makes us vulnerable. I think we're learning a lesson. The more independent the United States can be for these things, the United States, we can grow what we need. We Energy independence. We had that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 18 months ago, we had that, folks. Right. Keep reminding yourself of that. But that's been all blown away. And and we're becoming even more vulnerable. I mean, we're going hat in hand right now to Iran. Yes, To I know. Venezuela to get oil. It's mind-boggling. Imagine the laughter that erupted from those people when we showed up. Like, yes. are, you, are you serious? Yes. Yeah. Like, is this candid camera? Like, Well, listen, this thing you're talking about with the garlic now, I've mentioned this on the show before. It was two or three years ago. I asked my wife to pick up some uh, salmon mm. when she went shopping. And she said, okay, well, I think she was she was headed to Sam's. I said, pick up some salmon. She said, no, I don't buy salmon from Sam's because it all comes from China. <laughs> and she was upset because China yeah. is persecuting Christians and yes. all that. She said, I don't want to yes. buy salmon from there. And I said, I'm sure... We, first of all, don't get salmon from China 4,000 miles away. That's that's ridiculous. And and even if we do get some, I'm sure there's many. She said, no, there's not. So she checked. All of it was from China. Yeah, I know. And you just go, how how does that make sense to yeah. ship it across the ocean? I know. And I tell you, um, it's not just a problem in the U.S. I've shared this story with Fred before. I've probably shared it on this program. Uh, I went to Canada in the 90s, and we went to various parts of the country, but specifically uh, the area in and around Niagara Falls. And I remember being at a gift shop on the Canadian side of the falls, and I was looking for a T-shirt, and I bought a green T-shirt that said the words Canada on it, or that had the letters for Canada on it, and had the little emblem of the flag, and the shirt was made in Japan. So Canada wasn't even making its like tourism hotspot T-shirts. Uh, oh, it was being outsourced. But that's but listen, that's uh, now uh, some of you younger folks don't don't remember this. But when when now I, I I'm guessing you remember this in Canada growing up, Fred. Mm -hmm. But I remember growing up the the joke was and I'm not 60s and 70s. It's made in Taiwan. All the cheap stuff was yep. made in Taiwan. Yep. And then, of course, Japan became one of our major trading partners in the 80s. And, you know, it was all the Japanese are that now we're getting everything from Japan and now it's China. So th these things kind of cycle through. But I, I couldn't. But I was told back several months ago that a lot of the milk that we buy 
is from Mexico. We can still grow cows here. The last time I looked, <laughs> yeah. now I know it's easy. The uh, the beef cattle is a is a cheap one. Put them out there on the grass, and they grow. And you get your hamburger. I think from some them. of this is, and again, that's why I like having experts when you get a chance to ask these questions. I think some of it is that we do want to help our trading partners. Some hmm. we want Mexico to buy products X, Y, and Z from us. Yeah. So therefore, we'll buy you know A, B, and C from them. But at least in critical areas, I mean, we all know the, the stories during COVID about the fact that we get a lot of our, our, our pharmaceuticals from China. I know. What happens if they I just know. decide to shut it, shut well, it down? Yeah. Yes. And that's a big concern with what happens if China decides to move on Taiwan. Mm. Uh, they make the bulk of the world's stuff. <laughs> yes. So if everybody was like, if China said, okay, no more Nike stuff, no more Ralph Lauren, no more all these American brands that are popular and have been for a long time, you know, all these companies would logically say, well, wait a minute, we have contracts with you. Do you think that's going to bother a human rights abuser in China? Right. I don't think so. Right. No. Anyway, th this is, these are the kind of policy decisions that are representatives are supposed to be making but then you have to and i don't mean to open that and we won't we won't stay here but i am going to throw this out there are questions as to how many of our uh, members of our political class mm -hmm. get money from china yes okay yeah. so uh you know for re-election campaigns and what have you so Maybe what they're doing is not in our best interest, but point. in their own. That's a good point. I mean, China is it, – it's hard to wrap your head around this. They're, it's a capitalistic economy controlled by communists. So theoretically, if the more capital pro-capitalism legislators here are doing things that are going to impact our policies and global policies, China benefits from Republicans. So it, I, would, I would imagine there probably are some people with R next to their name that – did you, did you see this article over the – and, again, we'll move on after after this, I promise. <laughs> but I, I see this article uh, over the weekend talking about the fact that China is buying up American farmland. Did yeah. you see yes, that? Yes, yes. Yes. That's so, been going on for years. Yes. So they're going to buy up American farmland and grow stuff and ship it where? Okay. Yeah. China. Yeah. yeah. All right. We don't even get the benefit – uh, now, in, in a war, we could just say, well, you know what? We're taking it. Mm -hmm. You're not going to honor your contracts. We're not going to honor yours. We're going to nationalize it and give it give it away. But anyway, the it, it is complicated. I, I don't want to pretend that I'm not naive. None of us are naive. We know that a world economy is complicated. We get benefits from it sure. as well as uh, potential harms. Uh, but you, you do need a political class representative's who look after our interests, not their own, and certainly not China's. Yes. All right. Onward we go. Well, uh, here's another story that uh, talks about uh, whether or not people represent our best interests. Um, there was a story today. It's still on foxnews.com, uh, but it involves an, an expert with the Manhattan Institute who happens to be a black man, and he talked about how Dems uh, have been basically pushing a whole white racism narrative for a very long time uh, to try to – you know, benefit themselves politically and stuff like that. And uh, up until recently, there has been very little incentive to shift away from that narrative because it's benefited uh, Democrats that get on television. They're talking about this and that in hearings and stuff like that. Uh, and lo and behold, uh, this gentleman's name is Jason Riley. Uh, he was on Fox News uh, a little bit ago, 
And he actually went so far as to say that the Congressional Black Caucus does not speak for all black people. I have the audio here. It's clip seven. Donald Trump increased his support among black men by six points in 2020. And why, why wouldn't he have? Black unemployment was at uh, historic lows prior to the pandemic. So was black poverty. Uh, black wages and certain income groups were rising faster than white wages. So the Congressional Black Caucus does not represent the views of all blacks. And they should be inviting people into their ranks who do represent the variety of views among blacks. This, I think, brings us back to a discussion we had just a few days ago. Uh, between the three of us uh, on the Georgia Senate race between Herschel Walker and Raphael Warnock. Uh, Herschel Walker is leading Warnock, Senator Warnock, in a number of polls, uh, including one from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. He's up three points yep. uh, just in that liberal newspaper's poll. And it again shows you what Democrats, I think, face in this coming election and those to come if things don't improve for everybody, because policies that impact one group are going to impact the other demographic and vice versa. Now, what's this the, the, from the Manhattan Institute? What's this gentleman's name? You just, Jason Riley. Jason okay. Riley. OK, mm -hmm. I, I read the article this morning that was uh, that was uh, dealing with his ideas, Fred. I just thought he was spot on. One of the things he pointed out was that under Donald Trump, and we just heard this under Donald Trump. Minority groups did far better than they have, in some cases, have ever done mm -hmm. in terms of low unemployment, wages rising, as this gentleman said, faster than any other group. Mm -hmm. And that started to move the needle in these minority communities to support for Donald Trump. Yes. Because you know what? At the end of the day, people will set ideology second. Yes. First comes providing for your family and its needs. And then he made the point that Republicans need to learn to reach out more to minority communities. And there's some of that that's going on. Mm -hmm. But the message of capitalism, of success, of hard work, I, I think minority groups, majority ethnicities, everybody wants to find out how to succeed. And the first political party to get there... Yes, I think is going to own the political landscape. Yeah, what Donald Trump did, he took some of the restrictions and the tax burden off of companies. Right. And guess what companies do? When they have more money to spend, they expand. When they expand, they have more jobs. Guess what? Everybody benefits from that. Right. So there's job creation. But this article uh, from Jason Riley also talks about the reality that is hitting, the reality that is hitting in these and it is mostly Democrat-run cities. You mentioned Georgia, Atlanta, uh, Democrat-run city, where the politicians went on the attack against police. Uh, New York, San Francisco, Seattle, all of these, Chicago, are all Democrat-run cities. And most of the crime has been black on black because of liberal prosecutors, you know, who lighten the sentences. And so you have precious black people who live in these, these cities. They want protection. They're, they're saying, this mayor doesn't represent my point of view. Right. I'm not anti-police officer. In fact, I want more police on my streets to protect my kids. We've seen such tragedies. You mentioned the city of Atlanta. They have these, these shootings between gangs and little kids are being killed in the crossfire. Right. Mom, these mom and dads are saying, <laughs> don't. 
Don't go out there, Mayor, and tell me we want, we're against police. I want police officers. Yeah. I want protection. And so the Democratic Party finds itself, it's got the wrong message. Yeah. Well, in every poll, Fred, every poll shows that in minority communities, they want more police. Absolutely. Now, that doesn't mean that, the, that, the, that there is not some dissatisfaction with the relationship between police and, say, the black community or the Hispanic community. There, there are calls for some, uh, some changes, some improvement in the relationships of law enforcement, and they, they, uh, these minority communities want to be heard their concerns heard, but every poll shows they want more police, not less, because they know they're living in a war zone. Listen, I'm a grandparent. Now, my kids are grown. I, of course, would worry about them. But I, what what heartbreak for these people, grandparents in, and parents in these minority communities, seeing their little ones gunned down yes. in senseless violence. I know. They want more police, not less. Um, we had a story. It's been a couple of weeks. Uh, but, you know, last year we had the whole defund the police effort in Minneapolis. And then, you know, Democrats and people supporting that tried to deny whether or not that's actually what they were calling for, even though there's a ton of evidence on the Internet that would prove otherwise. But interestingly enough, um, the new contract for police officers in the Minneapolis area actually called for a raise. <laughs> so they went from defund the police to let's give them more money. And the argument was, we need people policing our streets. And you know what? Part of the reason for that, I'm guessing, I think this is an intelligent guess, is they probably lost some of their best police officers mm -hmm. when all this attention, all this hostility was being pointed at them from the political class. And then that made people in the street less respectful more sure. violent towards the police, so you had cops getting out. Yeah, and now they have to toss out a bone, so to speak. We'll give you raises because we need more cops. Yeah, no, that because they story, lost so many. I think it was uh, Indiana uh, was offering basically they were rolling out the welcome mat for cops in uh, Chicago and uh, in Illinois in general that were put off by the growing number of violence, the COVID shot mandates, and all these other things. And basically, Indiana and some other places were saying, "Hey." We're what, you know, come over here. Uh, you might get less money, but you got to factor in cost of living differences and just the general fact that it's not going to be as hard uh, right. a job um, if you were to move from, say, Cook County, Illinois to Portage County, Indiana. Yeah, right. Yeah, recently there have been a bunch of stories about what's going on in Seattle. Seattle has lost hundreds of police officers because of the anti-police attitude of the mayor there. Right. Pike the Pike Market area, and I'm somewhat familiar with that, having lived on the West Coast for a number of years, that, that was a famous area. The fish market. Yes. You probably have seen TV shows about it. Mostly now, it's uh, stores that are boarded up. Amazon moved out of that area. They couldn't take it anymore. It's too dangerous. Well, your, wor your workers don't want to come into work. Exactly. It's too dangerous. It is a result of policy. It's a result of Democratic Party policy. This anti-police thing is killing these cities, killing these cities. Some of the police officers from Seattle, they went 20 miles up the road to smaller communities where the community says, we love you. Yes. We're going to pay you more than what they're paying in Seattle. Yeah. Yeah. Come and Raise be part of Raise your families up here. Raise your family here. And, and listen, it's not just the hostility towards police because that is a policy that it clearly backfired, but it is also the other policies like 
all home uh, homeless people, welcome here. We're yeah. going to give out drugs, you know, clean dr uh, needles yes. for your drug addictions. All that kind of stuff has so de so degraded mm -hmm. the living conditions yeah. of the people who pay the tax bases, and you're going to lose you're going to lose businesses. You're going to lose that tax base. You're going to live lose people who are moving out. Not just police officers. Mm -hmm. There's other people getting out. Same yep. thing with New York City. Yep. People are fleeing by the tens of thousands. Yep. California, you know, according to the new census, was a loser overall yep. in terms of population. Uh, I I blame the anti-God. I know someone would say, oh, here we go again. The, when you demonstrate hostility to God and his word, and the way he has created the world in which we live. If you deny human nature as it as the Bible teaches it, you are going to make idiotic policy decisions. Yes. You are going to make a decision that says, we're going to welcome homeless people mm. here because they have a right to live, and, and apparently not understanding that people will take advantage of that, mm -hmm. and you will become a magnet for homeless, Yes, and they will take over areas mm -hmm. because you're not rightly understanding human nature you're going on this secular view of humanity that's totally wrong <laughs> you're going to take you're going to take social workers along with cops yeah. to handle criminals yeah you don't understand how human nature works it was amazing recently and we covered this story that mayor of san francisco finally the light went on yeah uh, with this lady she's an african american lady yeah uh, the light went on she said we have a crime problem in this city. No kidding. <laughs> Walgreens, go in with a shopping cart. As long as you just steal under a certain amount, yeah. we're okay That's with that. That's what I'm talking about. You make it, you change the law or you change publicly say, if you steal, you can steal up to $970 <laughs> worth of stuff before you get charged with a felony. Yeah. You tell the world that, what do you think is going to happen? Yeah. You think that people are going to appreciate your leniency and steal less? <laughs> that's what—that's the assumption they were making. It's amazing. Yeah. Hey, I do need to point out here, I don't know how many of our listeners right now are in Indiana. It's not Portage County, Indiana, as I mentioned. It's Porter County, which is where Portage, Indiana is. That's up around South Bend. Um, but I wanted to put that out there. Uh, for okay. our Hoosiers, okay. uh, I, right. I, I'm related to many of them. So, well, I'm I'm glad you clarified that, and I have no no I have no idea what you just said. Okay, <laughs> about Portage and Porter. Picture picture Indiana, Northwest Indiana. I don't really care. Is what I'm talking about. Okay. <laughs> Tim Tim would have the said people the same who thing people who live there they care. Tim That's would have responded. Next story. <laughs> All right. All right. Next story, Chris. Well, there is that. How much time have we got left? You got three and a half. Three yeah. minutes. Okay, let's do this, and we'll wrap it up. I can't believe we've gone almost an hour without talking about Joe Biden, but I'm going to do it. Uh, you know, oftentimes he makes statements, and then somebody walks them back or no. seeks to clarify, or then he denies saying that. It Hardly a day goes by where we don't bring in some audio here. I've got a bit of audio here. It's Peter Ducey asking President Biden about three statements that the White House had to walk back, and then Biden says he never said any of that. Clip one. Thank you very much. I know you're going to ask a really nice question. Well, it's it's an important question, no, I think. Are you worried that other leaders in the world are going to start to doubt that America is back if some of these big things that you say on the world stage keep getting walked back? What's getting walked back? It made it sound like just in the last couple of days, 
Uh, it sounded like you told U.S. troops they were going to Ukraine. It sounded like you said it was possible the U.S. would use a chemical weapon. And it sounded like you were calling for regime change in Russia. And we know none of the three occurred. None of the three. Occurred. None of the three. Mr. President, you, you interpret the language that way. I was talking to the troops. We we're talking about helping train the troops in that are the, the Ukrainian troops that are in Poland. That's what the context. I sat there with those guys for a couple hours. That's what we talked about. So when you said you're going to see when you're there, you were not intending. To I was referring to with being with and talking with the uh, Ukrainian troops that were in Poland. And when you said a chemical weapon use by Russia would trigger a response in kind. It will trigger a significant response. What does that mean? Trigger. I'm not going to tell you. Why would I tell you? You got to be silly. The world wants to know. The world wants to know a lot of things. I'm not telling them what the response would be. Then, then Russia knows the response. Okay, I, I'm going to say, uh, I'm going to give, I'm going to give the president a pass on those two. I think, I think the issue because those kinds of explanations that he's just giving make a little bit of sense, but the problem is President Biden does not know how to speak when he's off his teleprompter because the way he originally phrased these replies does sound the way that's Peter Ducey, right? Peter that, it does sound the way when he says a response in kind, that sounds like you use chemical weapons. We're going to use chemical it weapons. Does, that's the way what apparently he was trying to say is you go, you go past that red line. We're going past that red line, but I don't necessarily mean chemical weapons. Well, that's what it sounded like. Yes. And you can't make those kinds of statements on the public stage. And so if you if you can't stick to the script, if you wind up constantly putting your foot in your mouth and having to clarify what you meant in such dangerous times, maybe you shouldn't be talking off the cuff to begin with. No. That's what I and I'm sure he's listening to our program and <laughs> will take that recommendation to heart. All right, folks, we're going to take a five-minute break for news, and when we return, Steve Jordahl will be with us, and we will discuss more of the incidents and events that shape your world. We'll be back in five minutes. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.